0: WCNC Charlotte this is Flashpoint
1: thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint I'm Ben Thompson May is Mental Health Awareness Month and folks all across the Carolinas are bringing attention to this nationwide crisis it is a deep and personal topic for a lot of folks especially for our kids in fact suicide the second leading cause of death for kids between the ages of 10 and 18. Coming up in a few minutes we're going to speak with a Charlotte woman pushing to stop suicides and she's doing it in a really unique way. But first, joining us now is Jaron Dobie. He's a, a psychotherapist for Novant Health. Jaron, thanks for coming on, we appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So it is National Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, you know, I don't believe this was, was a thing several, you know, decades ago. So do you, do you think that we are making meaningful progress in talking about these things like mental health or, or are we still just paying lip service to it and not really getting down to the to the root of the problem that is, by all accounts, a national problem?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a fond believer of that no press is bad press. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. So ultimately, being able to put more eyeballs on mental health, having more conversations, seeing more commercials, um, just seeing more attention being paid to it can never be a bad
1: thing. Uh, we're entering a period of time that that suicides are actually the highest. People often associate depression with winter months, um, but but it's also an issue in the spring and and summer. Why is now a time uh, that it deserves so much attention?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mental health is something that always deserves our attention because it is something that folks deal with every single solitary day. I mean, statistically, one in four adults deal with a mental health-related illness or disorder in a given year that's very much so significant. And more folks are actually coming out and being able to discuss the issues that it is that they've been dealing with when mental health. When beforehand, of course, like the stigmas and stereotypes and things of that nature, resources may have prevented them from actually being able to express any of this. So it's always been important and it remain to be important that everyone definitely make sure that they pay attention to their mental health.
1: That brings me to the question of, do you feel like mental health uh, issues are worse now or are we just more comfortable talking about it?
2: Yeah, I I would say that that's a slippery slope to say that things are worse. I feel like that more people are coming out and being able to express those things. So don't be shocked if like certain statistics actually begin to grow, not for the fact that it's happening to more people necessarily, but it may just be that more people are actually taking an opportunity to report these things. So we have to make sure that we're paying attention to that because it's always good for folks to actually come to the forefront, actually tell someone that what it is that they are dealing with. So when we see those numbers rise or if we see more people coming out to talk about it, that means that we have more people that are actually, like I said, shedding the stigma or taking an opportunity to be more comfortable in being able to express themselves as it does pertain to their mental health.
1: In in your experience, in your practice, how have things changed post-pandemic versus, say, the year 2019 versus the year 2023? What's different?
2: Mm -hmm. I would say between the last couple of years and I would say within the COVID years, there's just been a huge boom uh, in the world of mental health. What do I mean by that? There are more folks that are actually coming out to seek services, um, following up with their doctors, asking for recommendations, seeking referrals, actually taking an opportunity to ask for help. You know, so this is one of those things that we can't turn our nose up or down to that folks are actually seeking help. Um, COVID was definitely one of those things that I say, was just the rocket that really sent mental health um, into the stratosphere and really making sure that more folks are aware of services that are around, but being more comfortable to take advantage of services is something that we've seen a significant rise in. So this is never a problem.
1: The pandemic um, also changed sort of how we interact with our doctors, telehealth. It was around before the pandemic, but it certainly became much bigger during the pandemic. Um, what, what are the, the pitfalls and obstacles that come with something like telehealth? Um, mm-hmm. I, I know it can be a positive, but, but are there limitations for what you feel like you can do?
2: Right. Uh, I'm a fond believer of, and especially my clinical opinion, that there's no such thing as one size fits all. There, there may be some folks that are very much so comfortable in being able to meet uh, with a provider virtually. Um, This is something that can create convenience for folks, right? They're also in the comfort of their own homes or in a place where it is that they are most comfortable to be able to speak. But also at the end of the day, you know this may be an inconvenience for folks as well everyone is not dealing with the same kind of technology uh, that is up to date more so than anything in order to be able to take advantage of an an actual virtual visit with a provider. So it's important to make sure that we are acknowledging that as well and making sure that services are provided for folks in person if that's what it is that they actually do desire. So I, I most certainly encourage folks to make sure that they pay attention to what it is that they are most comfortable with and being able to seek a provider that will be able to accommodate them.
1: In your practice, just anecdotally speaking, Mm -hmm. what do you see as the biggest pressing issue that most patients are dealing with? Is Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Are there any common through lines that you see throughout your practice?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, As far as any trends or uh, common diagnoses and things of that nature, I wouldn't be able to say that that's actually true. I would say that it's pretty much a mixed bag. You know, um, every patient that it is that I see can be dealing with something different. You know, at the end of the day, why? Because we as individuals are very much so very different. So it can be from the lines of depression, anxiety, any kind of trauma that it is uh, that they've experienced, Um, young children and adults and dealing with ADHD and things of that nature. And of course, more of the diagnoses that incorporate psychosis of some kind. So uh, we're ready for anything that very much so comes our way here in Novant, but it's definitely been uh, folks coming in dealing with different issues for
0: sure.
1: And it's a good reminder also for folks who are watching this, listening to this. um, What what are the resources out there available for for people who do need help?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, I always like to bring attention to the 988 uh, contact number for uh, emergency mental health needs or suicide risk. I like to tell folks: think 911 for physical emergencies. Think 988 for mental health emergencies. It uh, it was a 1-800 number, if I'm not mistaken. That number is actually still operational, but it's a lot easier to be able to dial the 988 number. You can talk with a, a trained crisis professional that is located in your catchment area. That is very much so aware of the resources that are available to you to be able to make sure that they provide good references, but good help to you in the moment. It, it remains to be important that folks uh, definitely make sure that they become aware of that number, put it in your phones, stick it to your refrigerator, take an opportunity to make sure that you're very much so aware because you'll never know when a mental health crisis will occur and being aware of such resource that you can literally get your hands on to speak with somebody 24-7 um, is very much so uh,
1: important. Yeah and final question here on this being the National Mental Health Awareness Month. What is your tip to folks who, who might not have their mental health at the top of their mind, but also want to keep self care in mind and, and do want to be proactive about taking care of their mental health?
2: Mm, I would say uh, definitely make sure to take an honest inventory. You know of how it is that you are feeling on a day to day. What thoughts um, are coming to mind and what behaviors are kind of manifesting as a result of those thoughts and feelings combined, of course. Um, It is very much so important that folks begin to practice mindfulness and really making sure that they are aware of how their thoughts impact their feelings and how their feelings impact their behaviors. Um, This can be signs that there is something on the horizon as it relates to issues to be addressed with your mental health. So if things are just a little bit different and you're noticing that, or it's a little bit harder for you to be able to cope with what it is that you are dealing with naturally in your life, um, it's important to make sure that you do seek the opinion of a professional in order to make sure there isn't anything serious going on or to make sure that you begin to get treatment so that things don't worsen in
1: any particular way. Taking that honest inventory, uh, a good thing to keep in mind. All right, Jerry and Dobie, thanks for coming on, we appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great day. You too.
1: More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and now a Charlotte native is pushing for big change to help prevent suicides across North Carolina. And she says her effort all starts with parking garages. Joining us now is Fonda Bryant. She's the founder and CEO of Wellness Action Recovery. Fonda, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. Thank you for
3: having me. I appreciate it.
1: So mental health awareness month is an important time for folks to, to talk about and get the help that they need. And I know for, for you, it's a, a very personal issue as well. Explain.
3: Yes, uh, I am a mental health and suicide prevention advocate, but it comes from um, personal experience. I was uh, diagnosed with clinical depression 28 years ago after a suicide attempt. And ever since then, I have dedicated myself to getting out here and educating people because even though mental health is physical health, People don't treat it that way. People treat mental health almost like a plague to a certain degree. The stigma around mental health is one of the biggest reasons, is the biggest reason why people won't get help. And once you educate people, you get rid of that stigma. So for me, being an advocate is all about educating people to let them know it's okay to get help, is that we can recover and we can live a good life.
1: Uh, up in the General Assembly, the North Carolina House introducing f- the Fonda Bryant Suicide Prevention Act to try and get more resources to folks who, who, who are in a, in a bad space. What expe- what does this bill specifically look to address?
3: It's, it's specifically addressing um, suicide and parking decks. There was a stat that came out by the International Parking and Mobility Institute in 2016 that said that 51% a uh, parking decks in the United States have problems with either people attempting suicide or dying by suicide, and Charlotte is not uh, uh, ex- uh, exempt to that. As a matter of fact, the Center City parking deck had six suicides there in four years before I went to them in 2019 and asked could we put up signs to stop suicide. And once we did, the signs uh, went up in March of 2019 and we made it all the way through a year going into two years and unfortunately a 17 year old girl went up to the parking deck and jumped because my signs weren't visible enough they were only in the stairwell and you would only see them if you were coming up the elevator or in the stairwell and after she died by suicide in december 2020 I went back and said, hey, we got to make these signs bigger and more visible, and we did. And since December of 2020, we have had no suicides in parking decks. And to me, I know in, in that particular parking deck, and I know it's because of the wording on those signs, you're not alone. Because when you're struggling with a mental health condition you truly believe that you're by yourself even though we know there are millions of people in the united states and across the world who have mental health issues but when you're struggling you truly feel like you're by yourself so those three words you're not alone let somebody know hey you're not the only one struggling we're here for you you can get the help and you can get better so uh,
1: what does this legislation do put these these signs in in more parking decks is that what what it
3: does well, yes, that's what the uh, that's what the House Bill 858 does in my name. What it does is is that it is going to push parking decks to put those signs in every single parking deck that are three stories and above to keep people from coming and taking their own life. Because not only do you have people who jump, that's the number one way people end up taking their own life in parking decks. But somebody might shoot themselves, hang themselves, use pills, you know, slit their wrists whatever the case may be so when I got that up the bill actually came from a state senator in Massachusetts Senator Paul Feeney who saw my story in the Boston Herald and when he saw my story in the Boston Herald he was moved to write a bill to make it law in Massachusetts to have my suicide prevention signs in every single parking deck in Massachusetts. So when they I saw that, they sent the bill to me and then I sent it to Representative uh, Cunningham, Carla Cunningham, who's also a big mental health and suicide prevention advocate, and she was the one that filed the bill. So I am very proud because I have 10 parking decks already in Charlotte from Novant, to Atrium Health, to Wake Forest's parking deck, to the big parking deck across the street from where the Panthers play to Legacy, but that's not enough. And it's, it's very frustrating when you go to parking decks and ask them to put the signs up and they give you the same excuse. Well, find if we do it for you, We have to do it for others, but I'm not trying to get up a sign that says, eat at Moe's. I'm trying to get up a sign that will save lives. And it's also that stigma that comes along with that. Parking decks believe if they put up those signs, it's gonna encourage people. That's a myth if we talk about suicide we can stop it as obvious as it's showing by my park my signs that are up in the center city green that we've had no suicides in two years but we have a lot of parking decks in charlotte and across north carolina and we need those signs up to deter suicide but to also to help those who are struggling reach out get to call that phone you know use their cell phone to call those numbers that are on the sign and get the help that they need to start the journey of mental wellness
1: we you mentioned the journey that you've been on over the last few decades for folks watching at home some some might be struggling for you knowing that there this is a multifactorial issue and that there's no you know one way for you what was the game changer in those last 20 years that 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 have been um helped you in your progress
3: What has helped me in my progress is number one, a mental health condition is not a quick fix. It is not. I was diagnosed with clinical depression, a disease that is never going to go away. And I think a lot of times people think, you know, because this is the thing. We all have bad days where we get depressed. We all have days that we're full of anxiety, but this is the thing with a mental health condition. If it lasts for more than two weeks, and it starts interfering with your everyday life, you need to go and see someone. It is not gonna go away. If you had diabetes or hypertension and didn't get help for it, what could happen? Father
1: Ryan, thanks for coming on. We do appreciate it.
3: Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. All right,
1: take care. Folks, a reminder, if you or a loved one has thoughts of suicide, you can call the National Suicide Hotline. That number is 988. More Flash One after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint, a grave error by the US Army now has members of Congress from North Carolina to Washington state asking questions on behalf of a gold star family. 57 years after promising a Vietnam War widow, a burial plot next to her husband, the Army gave her a grave to another veteran. WCNC Charlotte's Nate
4: Morbido is seeking solutions. Dressed just like his father. 4-year-old Bobby Dowling made a promise to his dad right before the helicopter pilot left for Vietnam.
0: The last thing my dad told me before he went to war was, I need you to take care of your mom and your sisters if I don't make it back. And I saluted him, and I said, yes, sir.
4: Now 62 and living in Charlotte, the Gold Star son is intent on keeping his word to his dad.
0: I feel like he's saying, don't let this go.
4: Chief Warrant Officer Robert Dowling died in the South China Sea in January 1966.
0: He was shot down and killed with his entire crew.
4: The 27-year-old's family buried him in the Camp Lewis Post Cemetery just south of Tacoma, Washington. That same month, the cemetery mailed his young widow this letter, a record of her reservation of the adjoining burial plot. I just uh, knew that I would be there sometime. Mary Dowling says in the many decades after her husband's death, she felt fully supported by the Army. But that changed on Veterans Day 2022 when she visited her husband's grave. I was terribly shocked.
0: When she placed the flowers on my father's grave, she realized that the grassy plot that was next to his had been taken by someone else's burial.
4: I was upset and I really didn't know what to do. Records show the Army allowed for another veteran's urn burial here in October. Especially shocking for Dowling since up until recently, a map on the cemetery's own website showed the two burial plots mentioned in her 1966 letter, both marked with the name Dowling, in a nearly full cemetery.
2: It just makes me feel alone and uh, and kind of insecure.
4: Years ago, the Army allowed qualified spouses to reserve graves in writing long before their deaths. Today, eligibility is determined upon death.
0: I think this is actually killing her.
4: Bobby Dowling says the paper trail is clear in his 84-year-old mom's case. The Army, though, maintains its internal review of records found no official record of an approved reservation, which rendered the grave available, telling us the original letter is an unsigned request for burial that cautions the temporary nature of the cemetery. In a statement, the Army told us it does not doubt the widow's claims and has compassion for her and her family during this difficult time, apologizing for any distress caused and saying, we sincerely regret any error, which resulted in an expectation of a separate grave being reserved for Mrs. Dowling. The Army added, we are committed to ensuring the internment of Mrs. Dowling in the same grave with her husband at her time of need, just similar to gold star spouses at all national cemeteries and will continue to communicate directly with her to come to a resolution. Its own review shows despite the other veterans' urn burial, there is sufficient space to fit another casket next to Dowling's husband's plot. It's about promises. The Dowlings say that response ignores the fact she won't get a headstone, and she'll die without the most important question answered. How did this happen? That's why Bobby Dowling fights on, not just for his mom, but for his dad. I think he'd be upset. Refusing to break another promise, one he made almost 60 years ago. The families enlisted the help of a congresswoman and two U.S. senators, including Senator Ted Budd here in North Carolina, to help with their quest for answers. Senator Budd's office told us they will, quote, do everything we can to help in this matter. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. More Flashpoint after this.
1: Welcome back to Flashpoint. Folks, come interact with us on social media. Let us know what you think about the show. Let us know something else you want to hear us talk about. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And folks, we're off next week for Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you back here on June 4th.